Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. So glad to be in God's house. Aren't you glad to be in God's house? God is so good. Man, is God good. Yeah, if you, if you haven't experienced the goodness of God, uh, you've, been, you've been looking at life wrong. And uh, God's goodness is everywhere. And you don't have to look very far to find it, right? Well, uh, as, as Kayla said, and how about Kayla? Kayla, we're so glad you're back in the country. Uh, I have the privilege of being the younger brother of your pastor. Uh, and I, I am younger. I am younger. I, I, I do have much more gray hair, though. I will, I will admit that. Um, but that's primarily because I have an older brother. <laughs> no, <I'm>, <laughs> How many of you have an older brother? Okay, I'm going to pray for you. How many of you are the older brother? Okay, shame on you. That's all I got to say. You know exactly what I'm talking about, the things that you've done. <laughs> well, I love being in God's house. Again, my name is... Brandon, and um, I'm the husband of one wife. Amen. I don't know why you'd want more than that, but uh, I don't know if you heard about the guy that got married and became a millionaire. Have you heard about that? They asked him what he was before he got married, and he said a multimillionaire. Um, so oh, just, one wife is good, and uh, uh, we, we, we have four incredible children, and two of them are not children anymore. They're adults, which is just weird to be a parent to an adult, um, but uh, it is what it is, and we're loving life, loving God, loving being a part of what God is doing, and um, so let's get into the Word, shall we? Uh, turn to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, if you don't know where it is, just, if you have a paper Bible, just open the cover, it's right there. My Bible actually says it's page 1. So, if you're digital, you're cheating. But, no, I, I like digital stuff too, but Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. I read from the New King James Bible, so if your Bible reads differently, it may just be a different translation, but I'm reading from the New King James Bible. It's the translation Jesus used, so we're going to use that this morning. Is it okay if we laugh just a little bit in church? I think we ought to, I think we ought to laugh. And uh, I'm at that age where I'm wearing glasses now to read. I, I, I got to a funny spot, a, a major dilemma, and the dilemma was... Do I increase the font size one more time on my phone, or do I just start wearing glasses? I mean, at some point, the font's not going to get big enough, and so I just had to decide to get glasses. So, <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now go to verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now go to chapter 2, verse 15. It says this, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from him, he made into a woman and brought him her to the man. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to speak to us by your word and by your spirit. Transform us and change us this morning more into who you desire us to be. We say, as the prophet Samuel said, speak, Lord. We're listening. We have an expectation today to hear your voice. So, Lord, we open our heart as good ground to receive the seed of your word according to Mark chapter 4 believing that that seed sown in our heart will produce a great harvest in our lives. And we give you thanks in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor real quick how pretty they are. You've got to encourage somebody. I know we talked already, but... But the scriptures that I just read, I would guess that most of you in this room are familiar with. Are you familiar with these passages of scripture? God created the heavens and the earth. He created man, right? Just a side thought, just a side thought, just a side thought. And this is a little bit pandering to the females, but let me just say to you, it is interesting to me that when God, when God looked down on creation, every time he created something, Genesis chapter 1, every time he created something, he said, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, right? Every time he created something, he said, that's good, wow, that's good. And then all of a sudden, God looks down at man and he it says, that's not good. Something's not good. Humanity had a problem. And God believed that a woman was the answer to humanity's problem. Well, one of you got it. It's also interesting that God had a plan to redeem the earth, but realized he couldn't do it without a woman. So I would just submit to you, this is a freebie, this is a freebie, we might take up an extra offering just for this, but uh, this, this is actually a freebie. I just submit to you, husbands, she's not the problem. <laughs> she is the answer, she's the solution. And, and when we work together, all the things that we can do, you know? If this is God's perspective, I think it's important that we have God's perspective. 
Now, guys, don't get mad at me. I know I've got the mic and I'm pandering just a little bit, but I think that the truth is the truth, and, and it helped me. I'll just say it just helped me. The day that I realized that God did not put that woman in my life to be a thorn in my flesh. He didn't give her to me to argue and debate with nonstop. That's not why we were together. God intended for the two of us to come together as a comparable team, the Bible says, and an unbeatable team. One putting 1,000 to flight, two putting 10,000 to flight. Our potential, Jonathan and I were talking about it before service, our potential is exponential when we're together rather than when we're apart. Okay? All right. It is also kind of a funny thing to think about Adam. He got put to sleep and he woke up married. I mean, that's kind of a funny thought. <laughs> kind of a funny thought. <laughs> but a couple of things. I just want to point out just a couple of things in the, in the few minutes that we have today. I just want to just point out a couple of things to you. And it starts at the very beginning. It says, in the beginning was the, the not was the word, that's John 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. It was void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering there. It's just interesting to me that here we have darkness. And in the Hebrew language, the word darkness also translates to chaos. So here we have chaos, darkness. God is there and the Spirit is there. And it's dark and chaotic. And it didn't change because God was there or because the Spirit was there. It changed the very moment that God spoke. It changed when He spoke. I, I just, just quick side thought. I, it's, it's interesting to me that that there is a, there's a mentality that creeps into Christianity, and I know it's not here because you have a really good pastor, and if you're visiting with us today, please do not judge this church by anything that I'm saying. Come back and meet the pastor. He's, he's a good guy, and he, and he married really well, so that helps. But there is a mentality in Christianity that some, for some reason we're to avoid darkness, I think if we're the light, we should go towards the darkness to change it. I just wonder how many areas of your life there may be darkness or how many areas of our community there may be darkness and the Spirit is there hovering, waiting for someone to have courage enough to speak a word. nothing to be afraid of. The darkness is nothing to be afraid of. The darkness needs light. In Hebrew language, that light also translates to order. So chaos needs order, but it comes the moment that we start acting like God from this perspective. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says this, as it is written, since we have the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. So we believe and therefore we speak. The greatest way to imitate God is to get his word in your mouth and start saying it. Again, 2 Corinthians 4 defines it this way. 
Faith is believing and speaking. Again, I know you know that because I know your pastor. He agrees with that. Faith is two parts. It's believing and speaking. It's believing and speaking. And this same spirit of faith, as 2 Corinthians 4 says, this same spirit of faith is talking about us having the same spirit of faith as God has. Not having the same spirit of faith as our neighbor, but the same spirit of faith that God has that says, because I believe this, I say this. So that means then that when the Bible says the just live by faith, then we can say the just live by believing and speaking. When the Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, then we can also say that believing and speaking, now believing and speaking is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. First John, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our believing and speaking. What we believe and what we speak. And God set the example for us right here. It didn't matter how dark it was. It didn't matter how chaotic it was. It says it was void of life. That means it was dead as well, and God still spoke the word. So whatever your circumstance is, no matter how dark, no matter how chaotic, no matter how dead it may seem, all it takes is someone who will stand in faith and speak God's word, and it will change. And then what we see happen next is that God takes Adam and puts him in a garden and starts bringing animals to him and Adam names them. And it's interesting to me, the Bible puts this phrase in here that's just easy to read past, but I want to focus on it for just one minute. In verse 19 of chapter 2, it says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Whatever he called it, that was its name. Whatever Adam called it, that was its name. And it's not just, just for our sake. Think about it like this. Whatever Adam called it, that was its name. That meant from that point on, whatever Adam called it, God called it. He said, Adam, what do you call it? He said, I call it a horse. God says, all right, I'll call it a horse too. Whatever he called it, that was its name. That meant that when God was going to talk to Adam about it, he used the name that Adam put on it, not the name that he put on it. There was no arguing. God didn't say, well, I don't know. I think that looks more like a hippopotamus than a horse. No, whatever Adam called it, God called it. Because naming things is important. Anybody ever lived on a farm? A farm with animals, not just crops, but farm with animals. You know, one of, the, one of the number one rules, if you're going to eat that animal, you don't name it. It's a lot easier to just eat the chicken out back than it is to eat Gerald. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't name it because name, something happens. When you name it, your heart goes to it. I remember growing up... <clears throat> Uh, when I was a kid, I was the only one that I'd ever heard of named Brandon. Now, it's a common name. For, I think there was one year where it was the most common name picked for boys. When I was a kid, there was nobody named Brandon. 
except one TV star, which is who I was named after. My mother had a crush on an actor named Brandon Cruz from the TV show The Courtship of Eddie's Father. <laughs> and I got my name. Now, we would go into Christian bookstores. You know, in Christian bookstores at the time, they're not as common today, but Christian bookstores were where you went to get everything religious, okay? There wasn't Amazon and, and Christian book distributors. There was none of that. There was no online, nothing. You had to go to the store to get it. And we would go in the store and we'd walk around. They always had these little name cards that have your name. And then they'd give you your definition. And they'd give you all the scriptures to support that name. So we would go in and uh, there was never Brandon. Now, my brother, you guys know him as Pastor Eric. Some of you would know this, but he actually has three names before his last name. He has a first name and two middle names. His first name is John, and Eric is his second name, and Matthew is his third name. John Eric Matthew Holler. My sister is Jennifer Naomi. There was always a Jennifer. There was always a Naomi. If you couldn't find a Jennifer, you could find a Naomi. For sure, in a Christian bookstore, you find Naomi. You could for sure find John and Matthew. There was no Brandon. No Brandon. You know the little metal plates, like license plates? We would take and we'd wire on our bikes. You know, so we have, Eric had his Eric. My sister had hers, Jennifer. And I had, like, cool kid. You know, it was, Just couldn't, couldn't find Brandon. And it was always so frustrating to me that I couldn't find anything with my... And then I finally, I got a, I got a name definition book. <clears throat> and I found my name. And it gave me the definition. I finally knew who I was. But before I tell you that, let me just tell you, John means grace of God. Eric means valiant warrior. Matthew means gift of God. <laughs> it's like they used them all up on him. <laughs> and I got my Bible, my, my, my dictionary uh, name book out, and I looked at it, and you know what Brandon means? This is good. Brandon means Old Beacon Hill. Now, I will say that, that better defined, it means actually a lighthouse set on a hill. So we could put all kinds of spiritual implications into that. But it's not flipping valiant warrior. <laughs> oh, I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> uh, me. You know, how do you dress up as that for anything? You know, dress up like your name. <laughs> Put a flashlight on it. I don't know. <laughs> and I remember we'd go places, and people would say, what's your name? Oh, I'm Eric. Oh, hi, Eric. What's your name? Jennifer. Oh, hi, Jennifer. What's your name? Brandon. Randy? <laughs> like no one could speak English all of a sudden. My name's not Randy. It doesn't even sound like that. 
Naming things is important. It's important. Parents, if you haven't named your kids yet, think about it. (laughs) Naming things is important. Because what you name it, God names it. What you call it, God calls it. The Bible is very, very uh, detailed in helping us understand that the kingdom of heaven is bent towards this principle, be it to you according to your faith. Be it to you according to your faith. Be it to you according to your faith. Be it to you according to your believing and speaking. Be it to you what you call it. Whatever you name it, that's what it is. So then that then begs the question on our part, what are we calling our children? What are we calling our marriage? What are we calling our job? What are we calling our future? What are we saying about these things that are vitally important? Because whatever we say about it is what the kingdom of heaven says about it. Because you are the prophet of your own life. Well, you call it. He calls it. I remember my son. His name's Coy. Now, I just talked about the importance of naming things, and we went and named my son Coy. I figured if I had to deal with it, you're going to deal with it too, bro. (laughs) C-O-Y. Now, I know that in English there is a word for coy, and definition for coy about, oh, don't be so coy, meaning, meaning somewhat deceptive. Uh, that's not where we got it. We actually got it from the Irish Gaelic McCoy. McCoy means the son of fire or passion, and you take the MC off and you have fire and passion, and that's what we wanted him to have, and he has more than we thought he would have. So, <laughs> but I remember Coy, when he, was, when he was little, he loved to play with Legos, and he was building something. He was probably three years old or so. And I walked into the living room, and he's got this thing that I can't even make sense of. And I said, what is that, Coy? And he picked it up, and he goes, it's a spaceship. Watch it fly, Dad. And then he just goes running around the room with this thing that doesn't look anything like a spaceship. But in his mind... He saw a spaceship, and so he called it what he saw. Over time, as we get older, we oftentimes lose that spirit of creativity, and we can only see what we see. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, again, says we do not look at what we see, for what we see is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. So we continue to focus on the eternal. The Bible says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word stands forever. The Word is eternal. So we have to keep our eyes on the Word. We have to keep declaring what the Word says. We have to keep our attention on the Word. You know, there's a difference between looking and seeing. You can't help but see some things, but you can help if you look. The Bible says we do not look at what we see, 
You can't help but see trouble when it shows up. You can't help but see the obstacles. You can't help but see the giant when it's standing in front of you. Whatever analogy you want to use, you can't help but see it. It's right there in front of your view. But we don't look at it. We don't look at it. It doesn't become the dominant thing. It's when the Bible says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That word magnify, we're not making God bigger, but we are making God bigger to us. We're magnifying him in our view. That's why worship is so important that we sang this morning. Didn't these guys do a great job? They did a great job just getting our attention up off, off of our circumstance to look up and say, God, you are, you are able to do. That's why in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the hardship, I will raise a hallelujah. I'm going to set my attention on God. I'm going to put him up first and let him dominate the view. Let him dominate what I see because I'm not going to spend time looking at what I see in the natural because what, listen to me, your trouble has an expiration date on it. It does. Even though right now you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, I'm here to tell you there is a light at the end of that tunnel, and it's coming your way, and it's closer today than it ever has been. The trouble is closer to ending today than it ever has been. You are one step closer to victory than you've ever been. Don't give up. Don't quit. Continue to name your future filled with victory. Continue to call your future filled with health. Continue to call your future. The best is yet to come. Continue to declare God. God's word about your future because what you call it, God calls it. We want to say what God is saying. So I say to you, up your believing, up your asking. Because you have a promise from God's word that says God is able to do. God is able to do, when you guys know it, exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Whoa, 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 stop right there. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above what? All. Not some. His ability is not based on, his ability to do above and beyond is not based on your good deeds or your perfection or any of that. It says that his ability to do above and beyond is really based on everything that you would ask, think, or imagine. He's not saying, well, I would do exceeding abundantly above, but you know, you lost your temper today. No, he says, ask, think, imagine, and then watch what I'll do above that. What are you not asking? What have you been too afraid to say? What have you continued to say because it's always been said and it's what your family has always said for generations about your family? It's not an overnight change. 
most of the time. But it's a consistency to continue to say what needs to be said and what should be said about your circumstance. I just think about the Roman centurion. The Roman centurion comes to Jesus and says, I want you to heal my servant. And Jesus says, okay, I'll heal your servant. And they start walking towards his house. And somewhere along the way, something happens to the Roman centurion. And he says, you know what? Wait a minute. You don't even have to go to my house. Just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I have not seen so great a faith in all of Israel. But then he spoke the word, and the servant was healed. Now, here's what's interesting. Could Jesus have done that on his own? Probably. We think he would. When the Roman centurion came to him and said, would you come to my house and heal my servant, why didn't Jesus say, I don't even need to do that. I'll just speak the word. Why didn't Jesus stop him? If he could have done it halfway through, he could have done it. You know, there's no distance to what Jesus could declare. He didn't have to get within range of the house in order for it to work. Why didn't he just tell him, don't worry about it, I'll just speak the word. Well, again, it comes back to the kingdom of heaven being tilted and bent towards, be it done unto you according to your faith. When the centurion met him, he had faith to get him to his house. But somewhere along the way, his faith changed. Somewhere along the way, his believing changed. And when that changed, he said, you know what, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just speak the word. Now, what we know from Scripture, that's the only time anything like that has been recorded in the history of the Scriptures. It's the only time. There's never even another time in Jesus' ministry that it's recorded that someone said, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. This is one of those random one-offs in the Bible. Joshua standing on a battlefield saying, son, stand still. How stupid. What a ridiculous statement. Son, stand still. But he said it. But we don't have any kind of, he has no presence. Moses didn't say, hey, if you're losing the battle, just tell the sun stand still, it's good, it'll work. Well, I'll show you. No one told this Roman centurion, just, 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 just tell him to speak the word and it'll be fine. Something happened in their faith and what they understood and knew about God. Nobody told David when he was standing on the battlefield, nobody told him, hey, just go after the giant, you're good. God kills giants all the time, don't worry about it, you're good. He had no example of this other than from years and years before when they went in and killed giants as an army, but they don't have any instance of one guy facing off, a, particularly one kid facing off a giant. But the kingdom of heaven bends toward where your faith is. So I just say to you, why don't you ask God to give you words to say about your family, about your future that have never been said before. That you would have the courage to say what has never been said before. No matter how ridiculous. It's ridiculous to tell the son to stand still. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous for a kid to speak to a giant and say, you know what, I'm going to take your head off of you. He's got a slingshot. How's he going to take his head off? It's ridiculous to say those things. It, in the moment, was ridiculous to say, just speak the word. It made more sense to get Jesus there. But when faith was awakened, something happened that had never happened before. The sun stood still. One kid killed a giant. Jesus spoke the word and the servant was healed. 
I just wonder how many things, how many, how many dialects of this faith that we talk, how many versions of this does God speak? I think it's limitless. And I think if you'll just have the courage enough to say what has never been said before, to call things what they've never been called before, to say some things that your family has never heard of, despite what, you, what your history is, that if you'll be brave enough and courageous enough to stand in faith and say some amazing things, you watch God will step in on your behalf and those things will come to pass. Because what you call it, God calls it. That's right. Amen. So, we have our prophetic conference coming up, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and you should be here every night to hear God's word. Amen. And, make no mistake, make no mistake, you are your own prophet. You don't have to wait. Say what you believe. Well, I'm not sure if it's God's will. Stop it. Stop it. Stop that argument. Stop that debate. Stand and say something that's never been said before. Why don't we start saying some things about our church here that's never been said before? Right. And watch God. I'll finish with this thought. I'm out of time. Isaiah chapter 54 says this. I'm paraphrasing some. But it starts with, Sing, O barren, you who have not born children. For greater are the children of the barren than those of the married. Stretch forth your tent stakes. Enlarge your tent. But it says there, Do not hold your faith in check. The King James says, do not spare. Do not hold your faith in check. See, we do that with our faith. We start to believe something, we go, ah, it's a little too far. No, no, he says, don't hold your faith in check like that. Let your faith run amok. Let it go. And it says, and you will not be made ashamed. Stop letting religion and religious ideas creep in that lay guilt on you for wanting to believe for something better than you've ever had before. Amen. I don't know if I want to say that sounds greedy. Who says? Who says? Caleb just quoted an incredible open-ended promise. Ask anything in his name and you have it. Now the preachers want to put qualifiers on that. Don't put qualifiers on. Don't check that. Don't put sparing on that. He said Whatever. Ask anything. Ask anything. Be courageous today. There are some big things on the inside of your heart. Say, if you never owned a home, call yourself a homeowner. Starts with simple things like that. Starts with the smallest of steps, but that's, those small steps will grow into big trees. But set yourself up for success and not failure. I say it like this. If, if you've never fasted, don't start with 40 days. Start with chocolate. God forgive me for even saying that. Start with TV. If you've never worked out, don't start with six days a week. Start with a walk around the block. As your faith grows, it starts with just simple steps. Just take a step. And you watch your circumstance change.
Because God has made no small plans for your life. So stop making small plans for your life. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I'd like to pray for you. Father, we love you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you, Lord, for your word that reminds us, that reminds us that there's a power that resides on the inside of us called faith. And that faith is connected to our confession. So today, Lord, we take the limits off. We take the limits off. We recognize that you're not measuring everything that we say. So we say the ridiculous today. We say the most amazing things about our future and our family. We choose to declare the very best. So we say, because your word says, we say, me and my whole house will be saved. Even that one that seems the furthest away, we call them born again in the name of Jesus. We declare, according to your word, the greatest days are still ahead of us because you are on our side. And so Lord, I'm asking for creativity, the spirit of creativity to flow within the hearts and minds of your people that, that they would say some things that have never been said. They would be brave enough and courageous enough to step out into some arenas that they've never even thought of before. And Lord, I ask that that they would also have the courage to say yes to every opportunity that comes their way. That they would no longer measure the size of their ability to the size of the opportunity, but that they would say yes to every great opportunity. That they'd say yes. Or that yes would become the new thing they've never said before. If they would say yes and step in to your future, the future that you have for them. Lord, we thank you that you have great plans. And Lord, I believe standing in this room is a group of people that you have equipped to be the answer to the problems of our society and the problems of our specific community. And so Lord, I just ask that you would give them insight and wisdom and creativity to know how to be the answer. And that when others say what has always been, that they'll have the courage to rise up and say something that has never been said before. So Lord, I speak blessing over their families, blessing over their homes. Your word says if we declare peace over a home, that peace would reside there. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare peace over every home. And I speak light in the midst of darkness and chaos. Lord, as we, as we go out of this place today, I thank you that we're leaving here blessed because your word says so. Your word says we're blessed. We're leaving here with a knowledge and understanding that our kids are 10 times smarter than all the kids of the world because your word says so. And so we declare that over our children. Our children are smart, intelligent. They understand and grasp difficult and complex problems. That they are the top of their class. Lord, I just declare over every man and woman in this place that they, are the, that they are the top on their job. Everything that their hands touch, it prospers. Your favor surrounds them like a shield. 
And Lord, we just declare in faith the best is yet to come. And we give you thanks in advance for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a good hand clap for his word? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.